Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning at 1030 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. We continue our study in the Gospel according to John. We're in John chapter 11 as Pastor Joel Woodard brings his message, Hope Beyond the Grave. I'm excited about the message today. This is a pivotal chapter in the book of uh, John. I want to begin by reading just a portion from John uh, chapter 11. John chapter 11, beginning verse 17. John 11, 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? We'll stop right there. Let me pray. Lord, as we come to your word, Lord, we just calm our, our minds. Would you help us put the list and the activities that need to be done today and this week, would you just help us put those away so that we could, we could sit for a few moments and just hear from your voice. Lord, that you would uh, come alongside those who are hurting. You would speak hope and life into those uh, who are walking in just real struggles right now in darkness, that you would encourage us as believers to know how to, to navigate these difficult um, seasons of life. And Lord, that we would, we would see you even clearer. So open our eyes, Lord, let us see. Open our ears, let us listen to you. And soften our hearts so that we'll understand. And we'll be drawn to love you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We come to a pivotal chapter in the book of John. This is really a transition point for the whole, uh, the whole book. Jesus is going to walk in this chapter with some friends through uh, the difficulty of seeing their, their brother and their friend Lazarus pass away. But then we'll also see the resurrection of, of Lazarus. You know, we don't often like to uh, talk about it or, or, or bring it up, especially in our uh, American culture, that those tough times that we all walk through, those seasons uh, where other people are leaning on you for, for something. Um, they, they call you and say, would you come and be with me during, during this time? You know, one of the, as a pastor, they don't prepare you for this very well. And I remember one of the very first times that uh, a friend um, called me and said, hey, my mom is passing away. It looks like we've only got hours. Would you come and be, would you come and be with us? And so I, I remember exactly where it was. It was very, one of the first times 
I had done this. It was, there's a little uh, like assisted living place right behind Adventist Hospital, uh, right there. I, I remember pulling up there and I'm driving and I'm like, boy, I want to be with my friend during this time. I want to, uh, you know, I cared for him. Uh, I wanted to be, step into this, but I remember parking in the parking lot. It was almost like slow motion. And, and as I'm walking up to the place where they're and going, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to, what am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do? Uh, I was a young pastor. I didn't really, I didn't really know. And I'm walking up to the door. I, I, I go down the hallway, find the door that she's in. I knock on the door. They open it, and there's probably about a dozen or 15 people that are all family uh, inside this little little condo that's in there. And so they invite me in. I, I knew one or two of them, but most of them I had never met before. Uh, so I was meeting the family for the first time. In the other room, there was a bunch of nurses helping out mom, kind of getting her uh, settled thing, and I'm just shaking hands with everyone, getting to know them. Uh, the nurses come out of the room, and they motion to the son, okay, you can come back in now. Uh, and so everyone kind of hesitantly files into this little tiny bedroom, uh, and he comes up to his mom, and I'm right next to him, and he goes, Mom, uh, this is Joel, he's a pastor. And then he steps back. <laughs> and I'm thinking... What, what, are you, what am I supposed to, I don't know what I'm supposed to, what do you, what do you say, what do you say in those kind of things? So I, I really don't know what I was saying because my, my brain is just like spinning and I'm sure something like, it's nice to meet you. Uh, I don't, she's completely, she's just completely out of it and, and I'm looking around the room and I see like, oh, there's like these paintings with like some verses on them, stuff like that. And I, so like, does she have like a favorite song or a hymn that we could that we could sing? And they they mention one, and I'm like, well, let's just sing, let's sing that. And so I start belting out this this hymn, and the 15 people crowded in this little room are all looking at me, going, nobody sings. I'm the only one that sings. And as, and as I'm singing, trying to like fill this room out, like, come on, people, we can do this. Everyone's smirking and smiling at me and knowing. So one of the guys, he tried to start singing, and then I'm like, oh, I know why they don't sing. It was horrible. Like, it was like <laughs> horrible singing. So he tries a little bit, and then he stops again, and I'm just like, man, okay. We gather around, and we, we prayed uh, for them. You know, I wanted to walk in like love and encouragement. Like to be the, you're a pastor, so what do you, just do your thing. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't know how you walk with somebody in a difficult season like that. And, and my guess is that each one of you has probably been called at some point or uh, invited in. You know, you get a friend that's going through a divorce. They just found out their spouse is cheating on them and they're calling you in tears. What do you say? Uh, your kid just got pushed down at the playground, at recess, they're home and they're crying and they're like, do your parent thing. Do, how, how do you walk through with people into those difficult, dark times? You know, you, you have all walked through those. If you're not walking through them yourself this morning. And the good news is that there is a way of love, of encouragement, of hope through the darkness. And if you're here this morning going, okay, tell me what that is. Well, that brings us back to our text. As we're going to watch Jesus 
walk through the death of a friend. And we're going to see four ways in which Jesus loves and responds in really this land of darkness. Four ways Jesus loves in the land of, of darkness. And I think they'll be encouraging and helpful for us as believers as well. Here, here's the first one. Number one, he trusts God's purposes. He trusts God's purposes. Uh, we'll start reading John 11, verse 1. And you're going to see how, how God doesn't, he doesn't, he's not grasping for things or, or just wondering what to do. It's this peaceful, methodical walk in this darkness because he trusts in God's purpose. Yeah, starting in verse 1, it says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. His brother Lazarus was ill. Uh, John's actually fast-forwarding to the next chapter, who's going to connect this story with uh, the beginning of the death of Jesus and her anointment for his death that we'll see next, next week. Verse 3, So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, The illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the, the Jews were, they were just seeking to, to stone you, and you're going to go there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? And if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples, this is classic, the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus has spoken of his death. But they thought that he was meant he was resting in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go with him, that we may die with him. We'll stop right, right there. The disciples are fickle, aren't they? Uh, here we have the scene of the news of... Lazarus is sick, like it's serious. Uh, Lazarus, who was part of this family of Mary and Martha, that was really Jesus' safe space. This is the place right outside of Jerusalem, uh, just down the hill and up, up there where Jesus would often go, where he could get a, a meal every time. He could get away from the busyness of everything. He could be in this place where, where they, would, they would serve him and love him. Th these were the people, this is his tribe. And so when Jesus hears, he's up in Judea, when he hears the, that, that Lazarus is he's sick, he's really, he's really sick, he does something very interesting. When, when we hear that somebody is going through something very difficult, my guess is like you're probably a little bit like me, and our first re response is, well, what can I do? How can I help? Well, what can we, we, there's something going on, I want to I fix it. If we could just uh, fix the problem. But when Jesus hears of the, the news of, hey, Lazarus is really sick, Jesus' response 
because he loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Because of that, his first response is that he just waits. He waits for two more days. And he was like, that doesn't seem, what would it have been like to be the disciples in that moment? When they finally get it, oh, Lazarus is really sick, and oh, Lazarus is going to die. Like, let's go. We got to go now. I don't even, even if we die with you, Jesus, we're going we're gonna to go. But Jesus, he has this bigger picture in mind of God's purposes and plans. It shows us that sometimes the way of love actually allows things to come to an end. The way of love will actually uh, allow things to, to, to not be uh, in your hands anymore. That you actually let things pass away and die. Jesus was not desperate. He was not in a panic. He peacefully trusts God's plan. He entrusts his friend, whom he loves, into his father's hands. That he knew there was a bigger purpose at work here, and that was to bring God glory. To, to reveal life. To actually reveal Hope. I think this is probably one of the most difficult steps for us as humans. Uh, when we come to the end of ourselves and there's nothing we can do, that we can actually open up our hands to God and say, your will be done. I'll trust you with the bigger plan, the bigger purpose. And when we do that, then we're actually turning and walking in light. Now, that's the whole metaphor with Jesus. Like, there's light and there's darkness, and if you're walking in darkness, there's oftentimes when we walk through the darkness that we're reaching and grabbing for things because we're stumbling over things. But when we turn to God's plan and purpose, we can actually rest and, and trust his plan for you and your friends and your family. So there might be things this morning that you need to actually open your hands up to God and go, I trust you, Lord. Uh, I trust in your purpose and your plans, and, and I'm going to want to walk in the light and trust your bigger purpose. Here's the second thing we see Jesus do, uh, walking through this darkness with his friends. Uh, number two, if you're taking notes, is he weeps with those who suffer. He weeps with those who suffer. John 11, starting in verse 28, he says, When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary saying in private, the teacher is here and calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind men also have kept this man from dying? We'll stop there once, one more, one more time. Uh, we read the first portion where Martha goes out and meets Jesus, but at that same time we see that, that Mary, she just sat in the home. And it doesn't tell us what's going on in Mary's 
uh, heart, why she doesn't go out to meet Jesus. You, you, you would think that that's probably a normal response for Mary to go see Jesus, her, her teacher, her friend, her, her rabbi. But she just, she just stays there. If you just imagine the scene as Jesus uh, comes on and then, and then calls to Mary to come from the house. Okay, come. Martha's like, Jesus, he wants to see you. Would you, would you come out? And, and she comes out and that scene must have been so emotional. You know, it had been four days. Four days they had lived in the pain of losing their brother. You just you almost hear the heart cries of, of Mary going, where were you? He was laying on the bed and we saw him take his last breath. Where were you? You could have stopped it. We wrapped him in these linen cloths to prepare him for burial. Where were you? We put him in the grave and closed the, the stone. Where were you? You could have done something. Didn't you, don't you care? Were you too busy for us? I thought you loved us. Where were you? It's super interesting to notice Jesus' response here, right? Uh, he, does, he doesn't go, uh, it's no rebuke or condemnation. He doesn't bring this apologetic argument of logic and go, well, you're just not thinking right. And if you really knew, then this is how it would be. He, 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 doesn't, uh, he doesn't even like try to, to rationalize with her. Rather in this emotional state of grief and sorrow, it says that Jesus just burst into tears. He, he weeps. He knows he's going to raise Lazarus. Like, he, he knows. He's, he's going to raise from the dead in just, just a minute here. He, he could have just like passed over that grief and that sorrow and go, no, 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 there's just hope. Don't feel anything. Just hang on. But he doesn't. He, he weeps with her. And it just shows us in that moment that Jesus emphasizes. He, he sympathizes, like he feels with us. He, he feels with the hurting and he cares for you. And, and I think it's just like for you and me too. He, he cares for you in the middle of the night when it's dark. And you have that question of like, I don't know. Where are you, Lord? Or, 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 do you care? Or do you, do you listen? Do you do you even know that I'm here? And Jesus would say, yes, I do. Because he weeps with those who, who hurt. Weeps with those who suffer. And I think as believers, I think that's something for us as well. Rather than seeing a, a world or our friends who are broken and lost and confused, rather than just giving them the, like, well, you're just not right. Rather than feeling some compassion and empathy with them, to cry with them, but, but then not to leave it there. Here's the, here's the third thing we see Jesus do. The number three, if you're taking notes, is he calls life out of the darkness. He calls life out of the darkness. John eleven thirty eight. 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time, there's going to be an odor. It's going to stink. For he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. 
Now, I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Remember, there's a whole crowd of people, these consoling uh, uh, Mary on there, all these Jewish leaders, all these people out there as Jesus prays. Verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Stop right there. Here's the, here's the main point. It's not over until Jesus and God say it's over. It's not over until God says, now it's over. It doesn't matter where you're at or what circumstance you're in. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. Uh, it's not over until God says, okay, now it's, now it's over. Amen. No matter what the situation. You know, this is really a foreshadow of Jesus' own death and resurrection. There's so many parallels, and even how he weaves the story uh, together. We're supposed to be reading Lazarus in light of Jesus' death and resurrection. He gets up to the grave and he says, roll the stone away. There's going to be a stink in there. It's been four days. And in Jewish thought and Jewish uh, ideas, the fourth day was like the crucial day. They actually believed that the spirit would hover over the body for three days, uh, just in case. And I can, you can kind of see it, like somebody thinks someone's dead, but then all of a sudden, they, oh, they were actually just sick, and then they get better, and it's like, oh, I'm glad we didn't bury them. That would have been really uncomfortable. So three days is like, oh, we'll see. They kind of have the body usually around the house, and they're eating around it. Like they're, It's there, and they're like thinking that the spirit's there. But the fourth day, the body's decomposing. Like it's dead. There's n- there's n- that's it. So, so you take the body and you put it in uh, the grave. For four days, there's, there's no way. But on the fourth day when there is no, seemingly no hope, when the, Lazarus is dead, I mean, his body is beginning to decompose. They say, roll the stone away. Can you imagine from inside that tomb as they rolled the stone away and the first beams of light break through and a, and a loud voice cries out, which Jesus only does a handful of times, and this is one of them. He says, Lazarus, come out. That in that darkness, when the light shines through, the, the word of God speaks and life comes. Unbind him. Set him free as he comes out in these grave clothes that he's still bound up. And he invites other people to, to even be a part of this unbinding of, this, of the, just the prison of death and slavery to that. So unbind him. He's alive. He's free. And God's like, I'm, Jesus is like, I'm so glad this happened on this day because now for you, this is a, a lesson. It's a picture. It's an image. If Jesus can raise someone from the dead after four days, after they're dead and gone, their body is decomposing, it's, it's bad shape. If he can do it after four days, then he can do it after 40 days. Or he can do it after 400 days or 4,000 days or 4,000 years. It doesn't matter at that moment. There's hope beyond the grave. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. 
I am the resurrection and the life. And that line almost comes off. Like you learn it when you're just a little kid. I'm the resurrection and the life. But did you notice what he said? He, he didn't switch that. He doesn't say, I am the life and the resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And that life doesn't end. That's the eternal life. I am the resurrection and I'm that life after death. There is hope. Here's the fourth one. Jesus walking in this darkness, calling out life from the dark. Uh, this fourth, fourth one is this. He lays down his life for a friend. The way of love, walking in darkness, lays down your life for a friend. You know, they hear that Lazarus is sick, but he's up in Judea. And they think, I mean, last time he was in Jerusalem, they were going to stone him. They were going to kill him. I mean, they're... They're mad. They, they want Jesus gone. And, and here's Bethany, which is just really is just right up the mountain from Jerusalem. So if you're going to Bethany, everyone in Jerusalem is going to know. And there they want to kill Jesus. So, so going to uh, Bethany from, uh, from where he's at in Galilee, it's a suicide mission. You know, if you go down there, if you go down there to save your friend Lazarus, you're going to die. So if you want to save your friend Lazarus, if you want to rescue him from death, and you go down to Jerusalem, you're going to die. And Jesus is like, yep, a life for a life. My life for my friend's life. But what's interesting is that we even see that the high priest who's in Jerusalem, he gets it too. Even though John's going to tell us, well, he didn't really get it, but we all see what's happening here, right? So let's read it. John eleven forty five. Many of the Jews, therefore, who came, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. We've got this balance, like, uh, like codependent balance on Rome right now. It's not great, but uh, it's at least stable. And Jesus is rocking the, rocking the boat. Let's get rid of him. Verse 49, but one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. Nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. Then John says, well, you know, he did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Jesus, this great shepherd who would lay down his life for his sheep, but not just his sheep, but, but sheep that were supposed to be in the fold that were still not yet of the nations and even beyond the nations. It, it's going to go on to say that this picture of Jesus going uh, to his death to save Lazarus, his friend, in John 15, it says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for a friend. And it's pictured right here. Jesus is picturing it. He lays his life down to rescue Lazarus. Life for a life. So, so from this point on, the leaders plot 
the death of, of Jesus. And, and from this moment all the way to the end of John, we're going we're gonna to walk the last week of Jesus' life as he is going to go ascend up to Jerusalem and the great entry. He's going to go through all the trials. He's going to be put on the cross and crucified, and he himself is going to be resurrected. We're going to walk uh, this dark road with, with Jesus uh, to his death, but death does not get the last word, and we already see that. I think this message hopefully is an encouragement to all of us. That if you're in Christ, you'll see your loved one again. You're actually going to hug and kiss them physically again in the second resurrection. You go for hikes. You can have a picnic on the coast. If you've buried them, and if they're buried in Christ, they will be raised in Christ. You'll be with them Again, But as we walk here, we're walking really in this land of darkness as people invite us into their darkness and we have our own darkness. Uh, so this morning as we end and we'll have the worship team come back up, I just wonder if, if Jesus is calling to you this morning in, in the darkness. If there's just beams of light and Jesus is like, come out, come out. You don't have to be in darkness anymore. If you're walking in darkness, there's a purpose for it. Would you just trust him with that purpose and walk towards the light? Don't try to control the darkness. Just bring the light in. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've tried to just stuff down your emotions thinking, well, God's very cerebral and Jesus has these true statements and he doesn't really want me to feel these things, but I'm feeling them, but I just got to know. And Jesus, you just need this morning, maybe you just need to open your heart and go, Lord, Lord, would you just come cry with me? I, I just need you to weep. And Jesus is like, oh, finally, don't do it on your own. And, and invite, invite me in. Or, or maybe he's calling you to, to step out of that darkness, that addiction, whatever it is, and be freed, to unwrap those grave clothes and be free. There's hope beyond the grave. There's hope in the darkness. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for this, um, boy, this moving story of how you walked with a friend and his sisters and their family and loved ones through just really a, a dark day. But how that uh, dark day, the light came shining through. And Lord, you, uh, you were so gracious and kind um, and loving to them. Lord, I pray that you would do that same thing to everyone who's here today. That they would invite you into that darkness, that they would walk in the light, that they would be called out of the darkness, out of the death, out of the, the chains and be set free. And that, Lord, that everyone here would know you as the resurrection and the life, the life after death, the eternal life, Lord, that you, our purpose and hope would be found in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, Thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.